podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And in the and system, we are joined we have... by Danny Romero. Kid Dynamite, baby. Kid Dynamite. Still got, still got, still got them firecrackers in those gloves and those mitts. Yeah, I see. We got to get, we got to, you know, the one thing that was told to us a long time ago, you guys know this, punching power and all that stuff never leaves. Doesn't and I was never a finesse type of fighter. Yeah. You know, I just, hey, I learned something. I remember this a long time ago, talking about Customato and, and uh, uh, all the greats. Told me, look, you can punch, you can take a take a shot, make sure you're 100% in shape. Nobody can beat you. Yes. So I figured after first few three knockdowns that I got, I said, okay, this is how I need to do this. I don't need yeah. to go this. I just need to get them out of there, baby. <laughs> well, Danny, let me Danny. ask you the first question. Then let me ask you the first question. I'm sorry, or, or Ben, um, you started boxing at the age of five, which is really young. What was your first like? confidence build a knockdown when did you first hurt somebody and you said oh this is this is going to be interesting you, you know my first fight i fought twice in one night uh <laughs> you remember back in those days they were oh, yeah. kids and all those weight class i think i weighed yeah. uh i think it was like 48 pounds or i don't know what it was <laughs> I fought twice in one night and i won right yeah and as we started to get going and the boxing part of it they they started to express to me, which were all the other fighters, all the guys that we were all growing, like you, my man, like you. They started to express to me because I was a little kid, but winning a lot of stuff, going to the, you know, the Silver Glove Nationals and all those uh, bloom gold tournaments and yeah. all the things. Talking about over there in Canada, I remember going over there and uh, fighting against the Canadians and holy shit. Jumping <laughs> them too, right? Jumping them. So the part of it is, is that I started to learn immediately that I can hurt somebody when we're in the ring, right? Mm -hmm. And and I started to pick up on people like you when they would pinpoint certain shots of what they were doing. Yeah, this is how they won. Again, yeah. the, the the plain explanation for it, like you guys, when you guys were older, I would watch and knock somebody out. So when I would get in there and I would hit those kids and they would start crying. Yeah. Stop the fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there at about five to six years old, I started to figure out, hey, when I make them cry, I win. Yeah. But yeah. that's what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. What's up, Ben? Well, I, I was gonna say Danny was talking about, you know, obviously he was a he was a huge puncher, you know, one of the biggest punches in the in the lightweight divisions. And I remember in the mid-90s he was being spoken about in the in the fight magazines as possibly the hardest pound for pound puncher in world boxing. But to be fair to him, I think he was an underrated boxer. I'm looking, I've been obviously I've seen his fights before, but I was looking again today. And yeah. I thought Danny had fantastic fundamentals. And yes. he's maybe a little bit hard on himself. Even though I was just watching the first few rounds of the Tapia fight, his side-to-side -side movement, his ability, you know, to dictate which way which way Johnny was going in that fight, and also an immaculate combination puncher, an offensive fight. I thought I just thought he was very very correct. So it's not really a question. I just wanted to say I think he's a little bit hard on himself when it comes to the science aspect of boxing. Well, he's a humble individual, and I I appreciate your humi your uh, your humility definitely. Um, but I wanted to also ask you. Your footwork, you had you had the head movement, you had the footwork, you could body punch, you could you could jab, you could do all those things. 
your father was your first trainer and maybe your only trainer throughout your career, right? Yes. Okay, so he's the only trainer. What was his experience coming into it? Because he taught you everything that yes. you know. Uh, ben, I greatly appreciate your, your uh, you know, giving me my boxing uh, credibility on what I could do. Listen, uh, I went into fights. Silk, you understand this. Ben, you understand this. I went into fights going, look, once I got you hurt, you're done. But in the middle of all that, I learned at the world-class level, well, you're not going to knock everybody out. Yeah. I, I almost did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are people, for instance, like Johnny, can box beautifully. Yeah. And I, I give you the honest truth of my entire career. Now that I'm done, I've always had a lot of problems with people that were great boxers. Mm -hmm. If yeah. they were mediocre, if they were 90%, I would still get through to them. I'd not knock them out. I remember when I fought uh, Manuel Herrera from the Dominican Republic, and he was a Olympian, and, and this was in my pro career. This is when they're starting to uh, test to see where I was at. Mm -hmm. I fought for the NABF title. It took mm -hmm. me 12 rounds. That was my first uh, fight that I, I knocked somebody out in the 12th round, and it, it I had always known I'm in great shape, and I could punch from round one to round 12, but in that okay. fight, I had to box. I had to start for from round four to about eight. If you look at the fight, all I did is throw my jab and left hook yeah. in a body yeah. because of my father. My yeah. father, my coach, was a brilliant strategist, tremendously great uh, uh, in conditioning. His discipline for us as fighters was, was at the top levels that helped me for fights like that. And he had never fought before, yes. My father did a lot of fighting <laughs> and, and learned boxing and, and learned he was a better teacher than yeah. he was. Yeah. Don't I you see. Know, I, I, yeah. I give you a little bit of my, my history of my life mm -hmm. and a couple of our, we know each other, brother, but uh, my my grandfather was a big old Mexican man. He was a big old heavyweight. He got his citizenship in, the, you know, in, the, uh, in World War II. And at that time when he was in those camps, uh, they they heard of this uh, Richard Romero, this big old Mexican that is a heavyweight that can punch. So anyway, all through all that history, of course, when my father was born, he liked to box and do all this stuff, but learned again that he can teach a lot better than he can than he can deliver these. Uh -huh. so he honed yeah. his his skills with some of the greats. I mean. Angelo Dundee, one of your guys, uh, yeah. he was uh, pre uh, he was right under him. Uh, Manuel Stewart, uh, yeah. all of them. Uh, Customado, yeah. I was in those camps. I, I'm sure I was running around a little kid somewhere around there in all those fights and all those tournaments uh, around the world because I started myself. I started winning national tournaments by the time in 1982 when I when you wow. fought Ford. I yeah. remember that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember that. That's amazing that you remember. No, thank you. It was that early, like 1981, 1982. I, and, yeah, uh, yeah. 1983, because, again, I remember winning the bloom gold in California, and yeah. they took us out to the fight, and there was yeah. a lot of – it was it was so cool, man. And It's crazy. And you're asking how all this happened. My father was uh, – a student that watching everybody, yeah. everybody. Mm -hmm. He was a, a, a spit bucket guy. He was hand yeah. guy. He was everything. Yeah. 
yeah. That sounds like Wilfred Benitez is dead. Um, who Goyo, who trained yeah, was great again. My father knew him because when there was a lot of stuff that they yeah. did, my father did a lot of the conditioning, uh, and some of Roberto Duran's uh, later fights. So I'm a very close friend of Duran, too. So that's where all those things that I learned. Duran told me, he said, I had something that you can beat a fighter before you get in the ring with your attitude, with likeness, whatever. It's a it's a fight before you even get there. And that's something mm -hmm. that I learned. So mm -hmm. I used to do that at the, at the press conference at getting fights or if yeah. I knew they were a little rowdy and, and that would pump them up, I would go in there, hey, bro, how you doing? Um, I'm going to yeah. kick your ass next week, but, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. I would yeah. just try to mess with them. And and so you did the psychological game too. You were never quite going in because looking at you on the surface, I would say you're like superficially anyway. It looks like you are always like right here. You're calm, really nice, and you know, gracious and all the rest of that stuff. But you had a, a, on the inside, there was something burning inside of you. What were we doing? We we're fighting, baby. I wasn't gonna let nobody, nobody yeah. in front of me beat me again. Yeah. My father taught me all this stuff since I was young. There was yeah. a lot of things that I got to see where, of course, on normal lives, look, you know, a, a little boy, I, I remember my mother one time telling me, and she's a big part of my life too, that I had came back and I had, you know, I was like 10 years old, I had swollen face, and I think one of my tooth got knocked out. I don't know what it was. And I wasn't crying. And, and, I, and our coach, you know how this goes. You know, we, we can't show nothing to the next guys because I'm going to go fight next week at a tournament. <laughs> They'll know that. Yeah. And I, I remember learning, listen, there's a whole lot of things that you got to do. It's not just about this. Yeah. It's not about these. Yeah. It's about yeah. beating them on all levels. So yeah. I, I learned that at a pretty young age. And, and I used it all the way up until the very end of my career. I want to go a little bit deeper for a second. Now, generally, the fighter, father... One second, Silk, Silk, yeah, Silk. Go ahead. There's a big... Every time you talk, there's this playback. There's, is it something to do with the way you're listening to it on the computer or whatever? Uh, yeah, I'm certainly... I don't have anything on here, so I don't know what it could Nothing be. Something is happening, but more when you talk than, than, than Danny speaks, I, or I speak, I think. Yeah, uh, Danny, is your, do you have a TV on or anything? No. That's insane. It's, something about, it's like an echo, Silk. Is it gone? No. No, I don't hear it on this side. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. See, that was perfect when Danny just spoke. Then you speak again, uh, Michael. Um, I don't know. I, I I hear a voice in here or something. I don't know where it's coming from because yeah. I have nothing on here. I think we had this before. I think it's something about the way you're, because you're on a computer. Are you on a phone, Danny? No, I'm on a computer. Okay. I don't know what it could be. Okay, well, Ben, you ask a question. I'm going to take a look around here and see what's up. Okay. So it's um, off it's so aggravating. So, Danny, um, the, you say his father was your mentor and only trainer. I, I did see allusions to you working with Eddie Mustafa Muhammad over the years. Well, what was course, the story behind that relationship? Well, because my father trained Eddie. Uh, when Eddie fought, uh, uh, it was when Eddie was Eddie Gregory. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. It's when he fought... Uh, I believe it was on the uh, – must. I, I'm not sure which one it was. I don't think it was Marvin. Marvin Johnson? I don't know if it was Marvin or, or Saad, but I remember they took my father in as uh, – it was the conditioning at the time. And then, well, you know, as fighters, uh, 
uh, Eddie was is a great friend of mine and and was my type of style. This is one thing that we, my coach, my my father really believed in. Everybody has different styles, of course. The silk, yeah. his his punching power, his boxing in and out, hitting you at all angles, well is is different than some of his teachings. So on some of his fighters, especially for me, he would get some of these trainers that would come in that knew that type of style. So mm -hmm. they try to perfect it. Or if there was a kink in it, well, let us know. Because somebody yeah. else with a different style that a trainer that would come in would throw. This always happens. You know this. Uh, it throws off their system. And, and if they're very, very great and able to adjust, they know sometimes that doesn't work. Roberta Grant told me that, and I'm going, hey, I've said that all my life. So I said, yeah. I understand that. So I, or I believe that. Did you have so, any heroes growing up? I mean, you started boxing at such, such a young age. It was just must have been almost instinctive to you. But did you yes. have any boxing heroes growing up in the early years? Absolutely. I mean, they're all the great Mexican warriors that I come from my, my heritage. And, you know, from Salvador Sanchez to... Uh, uh, Julio Sasad Chavez and I have the same birthday, July 12th. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got a little bit of whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and of course, listen, the Sugar Ray Leonard's, the Marco Elijah days, there was, there's people that we all know from back in those. I This guy I used to be a, a huge fan of. Uh, Frank the Animal Fletcher, do you remember him? Oh, yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, he yeah. was an animal. He was in our camps a lot, or he would come to my dad's yeah. training, and he was a beast. You know, when when yeah. you're walking on the, the, the gyms and not being afraid, he was somebody you just didn't look at. He was one of those pit bulls without a leash yeah, in yeah. the gym. So <laughs> it was a great, <laughs> great feeling or a great uh, mentorship, something that I was yeah. looking at for the future that I went, wow. These guys. So when you when you when you when you were training, Danny, would you do this? Like, would you see a fight and you take that what that guy did in that fight? Like, say, I remember when Benitez fought Hearns and and uh, and Hearns caught him, but then after that he couldn't catch him. Like Hearns, the way Benitez moved his head and made him sit. And I was like, I want to do that. Let me tell you, me and Michael Carbajal. Michael Carbajal is a great yeah. friend of mine. So my father sent me to his camp when I was about 14 years old. He, I got him ready when he fought uh, uh, Munchai Kirikesam. I think that's who he fought. So I, through yeah. that whole time, that through that whole camp, and again, I was a kid. These were professionals, and and Michael, yeah. he, you know, he's he's a tremendously huge, great champion, and knew how to adjust. Yes. Knew how to adjust. At that time, I didn't know, and yeah. that's where I started to learn all those things. Seeing all these guys, I'm like, okay, they do that in the fight. Let me try it. I can do. Plus, yeah. I hit a lot harder. Let me see what happens. Yeah. And sometimes, right, yeah. you know, sometimes that doesn't work, man. You hit somebody, they look yeah. right at you, and they move over here and smack you and go, oh, oh that one don't work. <laughs> Got to move. You know, the worst move. thing that happened to me, I tried doing what I tried doing what Aaron Pryor did one time. That didn't go too well for me. <laughs> it was not a silk style. It yeah. was it was incredible. I remember getting hit with everything. I'm trying yeah. to move my head and punches nonstop. No. Yeah, you know, I man, that is crazy. When I fought uh Radichin Borpit, it was on the mm -hmm. same card with when Bernard beat um Trinidad. Uh, Trinidad. 
for that fight. Now, if you look at my career, I have left-handers. I love left-handers. I knocked every one of them yes. out. It's easy for yes. my style. Yes. I had a lot of left-handers. Yes. My, my, my dad taught me. I saw a left-handed fighter come at me like a right-handed fighter. You know what I mean? So, yes. so I yeah, I yeah. Come. of how the left-handed was. And if they went out yes. this way, I'd hit him right hand, knock him out, move this way, yeah. left hook, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. But when I fought him, we tried to make an adjustment. This was at that time when there was a lot of, we were trying to get a fight. I think we were going to get him ready to fight. Uh, I don't know if it was Marco Antonio Barrera or Eric Morales. Mm -hmm. It was all at that time. So mm -hmm. my my coach, and this is, hey, this is our, this is what happens in boxing. We brought in a different uh, uh, training partners and stuff. Uh, and during that left-hand fight, you could see I was trying to do the boxing in and out, or the punching. I was trying to hit him in and out. He wasn't – he was running a lot. I couldn't catch him. So I was yeah. trying to get yeah. him to come in. That didn't work, baby. I, I came out of that fight with, I think, like 150 stitches. And it was uh, – <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> plus, plus, that was one of those times at that time that I went – I lost, and it, it – it just shouldn't have. I mean, there was 9-11. There was a lot of stuff happening, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happening. We were supposed to fly out when that happened. And so at that time, I was yeah. being promoted by Don King. So Don had called. It was <laughs> the whole mentality got thrown way off. You know what I mean? So when I went into that fight, like you said about Aaron Pryor, I started getting hit with stuff that, that I yeah. never got hit in my career. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. Yeah, that fight, Aaron Pryor's. A badass. <laughs> <laughs> generally, a father, a generally a father-son relationship is not seen as a good thing in boxing, right? Just to get a little bit more in depth. Did you ever have any sticky points in your relationship with your father? God rest his soul. I know that he's yes, 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 absolutely. My father loved me beyond. You guys don't understand. I, I know I told you. I've had a lot of my boxing brothers go. Why? What happened? You, you, you just left. <laughs> Which I did, you know, after yeah. I won that title and we were trying to get the next third one going. My father got ill and I said, listen, I have all the money in the world. I don't have to do nothing. We just, I went, we got to take care of my pops and let's go do what we got to do for our life. Okay. But that being said, I've had a lot of time to reflect on, on what all that was about our career. I mean, he was in it before I was even born. Yes. And, and so... There was many, many rough times where promoters would get in, managers, agencies. I got to a spot of it, and, and you know this, Silk. I remember there was James Tony, Roy Jones, yeah. me, Oscar. Yeah, I think that's when Roy, Roy knocked out Frank Tate, uh, Thomas Tate. Thomas Tate, yeah. And and I remember we're sitting there, and Bob Arum told me and Oscar to like kind of walk forward, and those guys are back there. Yeah, and he told told us he said you guys are making money outside of this. These guys just had to fight, right? <laughs> and I yeah. didn't understand what that meant. Which yeah. I was doing commercials and you know, I yeah. was just trying to floss or whatever I was doing, man. Anyway, I learned right there with my father that because he was battling with everybody because they would tell him nope. They would talk about me, tell him to get out, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to save me from being what our boxing industry ends up doing to the greatest fighters yes. in our yeah. history. 
Yes. And leave them out there flat, broke, hurt, yeah. who knows what they have. And my dad battled all the way through with them, with Bob. With yeah. Bob. I remember one time Bob Aram sat with us. He said, <laughs> he said that he's promoted uh, uh, Muhammad and, and George Foreman. And, uh, and mm -hmm. this damn little fly, flyweight from Albuquerque, New Mexico, has never made so many problems here with them. <laughs> <laughs> but that was because my pop was asking, hey, how much money is going this way? How much money is going that way? Where is it going? Yeah. Cameron Duncan, we had as a as a manager, which is, hey, was a great guy. He went on to have some great champions. Yes. And I remember that that talk from him. And and, and it just it, it now in my life, now what I see what my father had has done for me in my life. Just say, well, my 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 wife, my kids, my, you know, just I'm okay, I'm yeah. all right. I'm getting a little old. I need some glasses and stuff like that. <laughs> but we came out okay. And and my father, my my father, um, he 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 set that up for you, really. Um, he um he he sacrificed his life for me. Wow. You know? yeah. Are you an only child, Danny? No. <laughs> well, sister, there's a better fighter than me, man. <laughs> so that's so, why. So who, else, who else is in your family? How many? I, I, just have a, I have a sister, and then uh, my family. I have two kids. I have a, I have a 28 year old daughter. Uh, yes. I'm a grandpa too, man. I got. Oh two man, you're four. lucky. That's a blessing. Yes. Yes. Uh, you can, you can have, spoil her without any problem. Absolutely. And I have a son that is 12 years old. That is. Gonna turn 13. Uh, I always say, hey, now I remember talking about my pop giving yeah. me all the advice in life, man. Yes. You can't have kids when you're young because you don't know shit, and you can't have kids yeah. when you're old because you don't have no patience. And yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I I love I, I that's what type of person I was raised like, you know. Yeah. That's I well, you know, so we've been at the world top and doing all this stuff, but right here being at home, being with my family right now, my my technical uh, uh, your advisor, advisor, right here. I want to do <laughs> stuff, and I didn't do this. Yeah, <laughs> so that was all set up. My mother, all that was set up by my father and and uh, by my coach. By and he yeah. took many many fighters. Man, uh, Primo Ramos was one of his champions. He uh -huh. worked with uh, a lot of a lot mm -hmm. of, and he just he he took the time to to show me. What to do was, you have to do everything right. Yes. So, you Danny, you're, you were saying that you're financially comfortable today from your career, yes? Listen, Which is I, I, more I got, rare than it should be. Yes, I, I got to, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's getting cut off a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, I remember this the first time. First time I made a million dollars in the fight. Yeah. I had been, I was young, but you guys know this, I was world champion by the time I was 20. So I was even getting yeah. paid before that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I come from a very humble family. My father, there was a lot of things that I came from. Even at the time when I was making money, I was put in a position that I had to understand what the poor life that we've been living for quite a while. You got to maintain that with this superstar. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I, I didn't hit a lot of the marks, my man. But we're sitting here okay. My family's well. I am very financially set. 
uh, I am in the parking lot business. Uh, I was just going to say that I heard that your uh, one of your advisors was Joni Mitchell, and her fav famous words to you, she turned into a song, and that is, you pay yeah. paradise and put up a parking lot. There was a lot of stuff where, and Ricardo, <laughs> Ricardo Chavez is is one of our one of my main, uh, you know, again advisors. There, this is another great man that has changed a whole bit in my life, in my business life now. That my boxing career is is done with that because I was going into our business life like our fights. I've gone sure. there getting fights with the cities, counties, and governments. I remember one time my father telling me, when you go into these meetings, you've been in meetings uh, where people are getting hit. It's like infighting, yeah. Absolutely. So these are different fights, and yeah. I didn't understand all that. I still have the, the world championship mentality of going, mm -hmm. look, nope, we yeah. got to get in and do it yeah. the right way. But in business, Ricardo Chavez changed my whole entire my entire philosophy. Uh, and and so with that being said, um, my kids' kids will be okay for the rest of their life. Uh, that's beautiful. Look, so, Danny, let me just say, because I, I, I want to get into a little, little bit deeper on this, but my joke didn't res resonate very well with Ben, so I kind of have to explain. To Jim, ben, do you know who Joni Mitchell is? I saw it coming a mile off here before you even started it, Silk. I saw it coming a mile off. Here we go. I still got the I still got that jab, you know what I mean? It's like I, I yeah, thought yeah. I thought maybe it was a little bit over your head, but I wasn't sure because you're was, was such an intelligent dream. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't get any response at all. You just dead. <laughs> I'm not yeah, supposed to respond. You were talking to Danny. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Hey, okay. hey my wife is over there cracking up over here, man. My technical, the, everything's going wrong. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> so um so so you're in a great position right now you build um parking lots you own parking lots throughout? all the above, all the above. Um, you know my again my partner has been in the parking lot business for over 60 years yes and and this is kind of what happened yeah. uh, i was making all that money they were investing in it all when i retired he literally gave me my keys and said go be a parking lot attendant Wow. And I have learned to be a parking lot attendant. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So you see everything from the inside, and and now that you're you you can come back on the outside and look at it from both perspectives. Yes. Now, we know that boxers more than any other athlete in the world probably always end up broke. Probably like ninety nine point nine percent of the fighters yes. end up without anything. Now, do you think it's because I mean, obviously, I mean, you're educated, and your father and and your mother were always in your life, and I'm sure that's going to change your trajectory. Um, you know, make you very accurate in what you're going to do, and 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 your levels of expectancies were always high, and that's what's needed in order to be successful after boxing. Do you think that's the main thing missing with boxers, like they don't know the people to get other opportunities from, or they just don't make the right. Uh, inroads when they're fighting because they come across they meet some incredible people but yeah. you don't get a chance to turn it into anything brother i i introduced two presidents in my life i i had dave clinton and george w uh bush i was yeah. with him for over a year what we were doing and my business partner kept asking me why don't we talk to them but that was right in the middle of all the boxing stuff yeah we didn't know talking about business opportunities that's why i kept going 
now going, what can we do to help the next ones? Because listen, I greatly appreciate all the confidence or, or the, the great uh, uh, great job that you're saying that I have done. Yeah. Listen, my father, uh, we were very poor. Me yes. and my sister didn't know we were poor. Trust me. Yeah. We had a house over, we had a roof overhead, but we ate. But my, my father busted his ass at job. My mom, my mom worked worked her ass off. So I got to see when they couldn't make a $90 uh, rent payment. Mm-hmm. My father, in our household, we had a two-bedroom home. There was boxers in there 24-7 from yeah. ages of five to about 25. Yeah. <laughs> was just in and out, in and out. <clears throat> I... I remember this being told, look, guys, and there was, again, Sam Houston fought, yes. fought through, made some money. There was a lot of stuff. Yeah. And everybody just went broke, man. There was a, a my father, one of his main, he, he trained Johnny Tapia too. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he there, was, there was, there was a lot of things that got to my spot of where when we really started blowing it up, things changed. You know that. Yeah. I remember they, yeah. we started going to movie premieres and yeah. <laughs> and you forget you have yeah. you have ten fifteen thousand dollars in your pocket. Yes. You're, you're, you know what I I love yeah. the silk name, but you remember what they used to tell us when you start sleeping in silk underwear, it's hard to get <laughs> yeah. up at four o'clock in the morning to go run. That, that's no, Marvin no. Hagler's quote. Marvin Hagler told me that many times. You know what? But do you know what the correct quote is? Pajamas. Sorry. Silk pajamas. It's hard to get up out of bed in the morning for well, silk pajamas. That, but that—that th- that was actually—it was a woman that actually said that, and she was. Really? It was a woman who said that, and she was actually referring to me. And Marvin Hagler took it and restructured it because he was a little, you know. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking of getting some silk pajamas. I'm going to get you like hundreds <laughs> of you all hey. over them. Okay. Now, now, all my long, I try to do it now. You know, I'm like, hey, let me get up. <laughs> And there's still a lot of bossing around around here. So. Oh yeah. Hey, never, never, never. Did, did you know? Did you know? I'm sorry. I'm on, I'm sorry to take it offline for a second. But did you know that there was a competition, a husband calling competition now, down really? south, and and the and these women are calling their husbands, and it's a comp like a pig calling competition, and it's one of the most aggravating things. And I'm saying to myself, if I heard that for two. Even if your wife calls you nicely, if you hear the same call for 25 years, it sounds like that. The one who <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to step in here? <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. Not you, Mr. Romero. You've been through a lot of things. and, and listen, guys, I, I said that, and my wife is out right now, and I think that is <laughs> too. No, no. I'll represent all of your, your wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Talking of difficult relationships, Danny, I'd, I'd like to ask about your relationship with Johnny Tapia, who you'll always be synonymous with. Obviously, you guys came up together and, and were friends for many years. And then ob- around about the time of your fight, there was a big, big grudge angle that was played. Of course. And, and you guys know that, Silk. It, it is, you know, Ben, listen. We've been friends since we were kids. But when we were fighting, I wanted to beat the shit out of him. No matter what, I was going to yeah. call him every name in the book if I had yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just here in our home state of New Mexico, Albuquerque, all we are a fight place, baby. 
And that's the only thing that, that was a little difficult for me because I represented my, my city, my community, my state in a way that I wanted to show as much positive. Look, I came from nothing. You can do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when it divided our, our, our state, it was a little bit difficult. You know, yeah. it, it divided us that, you know, some of our, my fans were my fans and some of his fans. And, and that was a little difficult. And that's why you guys didn't have the fight in state. Like you went to Vegas, so you thought there was going to be some sort of conflict if you fought in New Mexico. They said well, that this was this for us, for me. So, man, you know this. It was about a business and talking about my pop. Uh, my pop yeah. got me and Johnny paid more yes. by fighting about keeping it going. And at this, at at that time, I remember Cedric Kushner telling me, "He's like, ah, damn it." We're gonna have to move move it to Vegas because there's more money there for you guys. I said, "That's Go what this is about. We're gonna we're gonna give everything we got to our fans. People know what we are about. But at the end part of this, sitting here now today, I'm so glad we took that road. Is that we got to get paid to be be able to take care of ourselves later. Yeah. We're gonna kick our ass, kick each other's ass right now, and yeah. give great entertainment. I was trying to be the greatest champion that I can be." Yes, that's what I was doing. No matter every time, like I told you, Ben, on that thing that, listen, my man, I came in all no breaks, all throttle. Yeah. I, I appreciate all your boxing ability that you think or or say that I have. Which I perceived, I, yeah, a little bit. Thank you, but I came in to entertain. I knew what it was all about. Uh, I had fans that were paying, you know, fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand dollars for the front row, so. They didn't yeah. just want to see me box. I was trying to knock them out the ring right on their lap. So, so what do you think, what do you think Danny? When, when you ahead. see the Floyd Mayweather type legacy and the safety first approach, not just inside the ring, but outside the ring in terms of um, matchmaking, how, how do you feel about that kind of phenomenon that came after you? <laughs> or during? I didn't come from, I didn't come from a, a place like... We had the luxury <laughs> Those guys, you guys didn't over there uh, talk on the text and, hey, I want to fight here. You guys fought. Yeah. Where I came from, if, if you were right yeah. in front of me and you wanted to fight, yeah. you were going to get a punch from me right there. It didn't matter where it was at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. punched them, a lot of people at press conferences, but I punched yeah. a lot more people outside of it because it was, yeah. and I don't mean literally, I mean yeah. by going, come on, let's get it on. Let's, yeah. I'm a yeah. real fighter. If mm -hmm. you want, in Spanish, si quieres apilear, Vámonos. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Now, uh, um, interesting. Your fight with Tapia. How much of that do you like vividly remember? The actual in-fight experience. Do you remember? Do you, can you see that clearly to this day, or is it kind of? Absolutely. I, 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 you know, in my boxing life, I have. Then this is not a bad thing for me. I, in my early forties, I was. I, it was a little bit difficult. I have gone over and over, and all those fights are in my head. Johnny's fights. Listen, because Johnny was a dear friend of mine, even yeah. after our fights. Don't get me wrong. There was still, yeah. I was talking all kinds of shit to him because I wanted to rematch. I want, you yeah. know, you know yeah. what it's about. Yeah, but it finally calmed down. I started making money. I went in and fought it other stuff. You know, I never. Like Bob Aram told me, I was the name for whatever I was doing, so I didn't have to go after fight yeah. anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like I said Ben about who some of these fighters nowadays who they pick. I wasn't picking no, I was picking them all. Even after I lost, I said, Hey, you guys want me to fight him? Let's go. Pay me, and I'm gonna go. I will show you. What, what do you think? What do you think 
Tapia's strategy was to beat you? What do you think from his mind, what his strategy was to beat you? I think, listen, we talked to uh, a lot of the coaches afterwards and, you know, he had some, he had Eddie Fudge in his, in his corner. My dad knew Eddie Fudge real well. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, Eddie told us in the press card, he told my dad and told me, told him, you stand in front of Danny, you're going to get your ass knocked out. That's exactly what he told. Yeah. And so, uh, I, in that fight, there was a lot, let me tell you, Johnny won that fight. Okay. I should have made some adjustments during that fight. Yes. I was so angry and I was so pissed off. I was calling them names. I was pushing them. I was on the box. I was trying to throw them in. I didn't stick to our game plan. Look, uh-huh. listen to our corner. Listen to pops. Look yeah. at my. Listen to what yeah. my dad was telling me. Nomás deja tu manos. He he was telling me in Spanish. Just let my hands go. Yes. But once I let him go, but I was trying to hit him hard with yeah. it. You know, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. my head. I, it's a mm-hmm. fight, baby. When mm-hmm. I get the fight, it was a fight, mm-hmm. and I was trying to do all that. And you know what Johnny did? He stayed mm-hmm. with his body. He started. Yes. I was I was saying he was running. Hey, yeah. You know, and I just couldn't catch him. I mean, I don't know what else I could do. And, and in that same instance, though, when when he raised his hand and I, I was pissed. I mean, I was trying yeah. to jump off the ring. Of course. When I got back to the when I got back to the locker room, there was a, a very special Jack Nicholson came back to my locker room and said, mm-hmm. you know what? Two of New Mexico's and great world champions, world champions yes. came in here. Two yeah. of the best world champions are still leaving. And yeah. it didn't hit me at that moment because I was, yeah. you know, I was yelling at everybody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of the, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the press conference, there was a lot. Dude. Anyway, now in my life, I have gone to, to, to understand, look, if I wasn't going to get no knockout, yeah. I was going to win anyway. Yeah. That's just what it was. Listen, yeah. You know, and he because my style too. You know, I didn't adjust yeah. the fight. You could see it, even well, you know, I, like like Tapia. Tapia. When I look at Tapia, and I've you know we've all seen him fight many many times. One of the things he has in his benefit is incredibly quick release. I don't know whether you know whether he hits hard or not. You know whether all all that stuff. But yeah. I just know the superficial thing about yes. Tapia. And when I look at Tapia, he just he doesn't hesitate. If he thinks he wants to punch, he punches. Yes. And, and I know that one of my problems in, with me was I had to think about it before I did it. And sometimes I think about what the counter would be. I think yeah. about you know, different elements of the fight. Will I be in position to do this, that, and the other? And you're an intelligent fighter as well. Sometimes if you give it too much thought, the reflex disappears. It's gone. Right? It's gone. The opportunity's gone. By the time you think about it, it's not there anymore. Tapia is just on a whim. He just like, bap, like this. And that's why Again, all that, and, and, and especially in our weight classes, there's a lot of really quick guys, right? Yeah. First round, you could see it the first, I think it was minute 30 or whatever it was. Yeah. Pulled through jabs, and then he threw a second jab, which I, I moved. And mostly guys, and you know this, so they move just right here, right? Yeah, yeah. Quick right here. And for me, I would just hit him with the left hook and it was yeah. done. Hit him with yeah. my elbow or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> when he threw that jab, he took off. He was behind me. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, what the hell? I didn't surprise me, and I went. Yeah. And through the whole fight, you could see that he yeah. was very 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very jittery when he fights, and 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 because he's very jittery and very hesitant, and he's always like this, he's very frenetic, I guess, and you never know when he's going to come at you. So you have to be like this the whole fight. Yes. You can't be like you can't be you know like a little right. lang- you can't be languid. You have to be sharp the whole time. You be ready at all times. Exactly. Yeah. Again, in the second round, you know, you you get ready for everybody. You know this. Mm-hmm. So Ben, you guys know. I don't care when they say they don't punch. Everybody can hit. Yeah. Some of us have yeah. a little bit more, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I remember again him slipping, and I moved this way. My hand is. And he hit me with, I seen the left hook right here. Yeah. Right down and mm. and yeah. I went, oh, shit, there ain't nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when mm-hmm. he when I moved forward, he was again on yeah. the other side. Probably, I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there ain't much punchy power to yeah. it, but it is just such yeah. a whap, whap, whap yeah. that you have to yeah. get short off and you can't get it there. Well, some guys are very much very topical. And, and he seems like a very topical guy. Like it's painful. But it's not numbing, you know what I mean? It's like it's a, it's a different type of thing altogether. See, you guys understand that. <laughs> that people, look, I always I learned how to throw heavy-handed. I knew yeah. how to throw, I knew yeah. how to snap it. I knew yeah. how to uh, do a few little different things to it, yeah. like, but cut your skin and stuff, yeah. just because of the type of power or the position I was in. Yeah, I was putting my position in to hurt you yeah. because yeah. once I hurt you, then I would go win. Yeah, and, and and so yes, those boxing abilities, you know, I in, in my career, yeah, I'm very. L- listen, I've only had ten losses in my career, and and, yes. and, and amateur my, pro. Oh, all the whole thing, and if you look at all my career, other than me when I had the the injuries, yes. every one of my losses were against great boxers like that. Yeah, Willie Salazar. I'm sorry. Willie Salazar was the first loss because of the eye, the eye injury. Well, let, me, let me ask you about. Let me ask you about that because uh, you know I, I feel like I'm a little bit of an expert on eye injuries now. Yes. How come you don't have a patch? I could hook you up, baby. I, I got you. No, well, I they did the they did the six million dollar thing, man. My, that the doctor had told me we're in uh, we're in L.A. And yeah. Because they kept explaining, you understand this, all the the orbital part of it was real yes. it's like a paper chip. Now yes. what we're gonna put in there, they're not gonna be able to not break that. I'm like, hey, can you do this other eye then? <laughs> <laughs> because my cheek, this entire when yeah. Willie hit it with that one shot, broke yeah. this entire forehead, orbital eye, the, yeah. the yeah. cheek in one shot. You know that happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so Ben, basically what, what happens is the floor, the eyeball sits on the orbital floor and there are a bunch of loose uh, loose um like bones like uh, cartilage that very soft like like tissue paper like wet tissue paper and and the eye sits on that. And when you get a thumb in the eye or a knuckle in the eye, I know though I had Two and the worst one that happens to me is when I was sparring with Murky no- Sosa. Sosa. Murky yeah. Sosa, that big Mur- knuckle. Yo, his knuckles were like a mace from night's days. Yeah. And he hit me here like this. I swear to God, it was a thumb. He threw an uppercut. That thing went in my eye, and no buzz in my mind wasn't mixed up, nothing. But I just felt this intense pain. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at it, and there's two of them. And if you see two murkies coming at you, and he was undefeated at the time, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I went, you know, I went and uh, the doctor started ta- talking to me about it. And what happened was he hit me. When he hit me, the eye, the floor that the eye sits on split. 
Yeah, it's like a bomb. They call it a bombardier fracture. So yeah, like the bottom of the eye opens up, the eye drops in the socket, and you need to get it raised back. But generally, that is never fused to the point where, as you can see, even again. Right. Do you have even vision? Because I never had, I had double vision for the rest of my time. Did you get it? Right now, I'm looking at you. I can see my wife half over here. They're double. They're, yes. It's like that's, that. That's hey, our box of life. This is what ends up at the end. Yes. This that's is what Roberta Duran told me many, many years ago. Yes. I was like yeah. 30 years old. He said, look, by the time you're 40, you better have enough money to pay the best doctors to take care of you. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's amazing. So you fought, you fought so many of your fights. Uh, like like me and I'm sure a bunch of other fighters with double vision. Yes, I That's I remember I remember when I fought Harold Gray when I won yeah. my second world title. Yeah, yeah. One of the right hands that I hit him, I hit the I threw it at the the wrong face that I was looking at and it hit. <laughs> Boom and it got. <laughs> I got an ocean with that. I'm yeah, telling no, you. No, I hear you. Yeah. Boom, and I hit him. I went, oh, he's down. I was like, oh shit, that was it. Yeah. So, it was the right so, one. <laughs> But, but the thing is, and this is another thing that a lot of people don't understand, when boxers have injuries, it's different than when a football player or a basketball player has an injury because you have someone that can take your position for you or take responsibility for you or cover for you in a lot of ways. As a boxer, you don't have that option. And especially with peripheral punches when they're coming from the sides and stuff like that, it, it's, it's a real issue. So for you to go to do what you did with double vision, I mean, that's, man, hats off. That's huge. Thank that really you. is massive. Thank you. You are one that understands it. You know, uh, to this day, I have, I have really bad pain, and you know, it's just what it is. I've broken this. Yeah, yeah. Know How many times? This one, yeah. elbows, ribs. Yeah. All this looks pretty good, but it's, it's, uh, it's paid a lot of money, baby. <laughs> I was gonna say when you were young, when you were younger, like when you were coming up, I was like, this guy, he looks like he's on Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> you should be with Johnny Depp and the guys. It's like <laughs> he was another. He was like another Oscar De La Hoya when he was young. He was. He was. He was especially handsome. I got to say that. You know. Yeah, you got it going yeah. on. Definitely. I really yeah. appreciate. It. Thank you. Thank you. you thank know, but now you graduated into rugged, and you have the familiarity, and uh, you know, you got that. You got that good wholesome. You know what I mean? You're doing good, man. I'm, I'm glad. This is the only show, Silk, in it where you can get. You can get. You know, completely masculine compliments from a man to a man. We we, we actually do that metrosexual vibe on here. Hey, we're all secure with all our manhoods here, baby. We're Absolutely. good. Yeah, we're secure. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so so that that fight with um, I'm sorry, the kid, your your first loss. Um, yes. When Willie, I remember when Willie hit man. This was a bad. Uh, let me yeah. get, let me go into that, baby. That was right after I had my first defense, uh, and again here we go, a 21 year old with. Millions of dollars. There was a lot of things yeah. going on. And talk sure. about what you gave my pops, what my what you gave my coach some some credit for. He wanted me not to take that fight. Yes. There was a lot of our people. Listen, <sighs> when I fought Willie, that was just I got paid a half a million dollars just for a 10-round fight. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I should have bet on him. He he was a 90 uh 99 to one to win. Shit, we should have yeah, yeah. imagine that. <laughs> He, you know how, you know, all the matchmakers, you know how that goes. I was flying high on a lot of things. I don't know what sure. they, I came back from. And I remember my pops were pissed. He's all, you got to get in the camp. And I'm, I made, I spent $7,000 because I think it was at that time. And you know, that was huge. Yeah, of and course. I, I wasn't a big old fat boy, man. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I paid $7,000 because I was over by, a, I think it was like a half a pound. 
Wow. And, I, it, and it was a non-title defense. Uh-huh. Yeah. They had, they had yeah. made the fight at 118, I think. And yeah. I came in at 118 and a half. And, uh-huh. and well, you know, we we're trying to be, do you want to take it off? I remember my pop told me, go, you know, like our normal. Hey, go get the, we got to do our stuff. And I was like, no, dad, we got Fedia now. We got money. Pay it. I'm only going to get the best tomorrow. And they paid it, paid $7,000. So I, I, I paid them $7,000 to whoop my ass, basically. Wow. <laughs> only whooped my ass for the first minute and a half. If you see yeah, it. Yeah, it was, yeah, because because uh, I mean, looking at that fight, I saw that you were taking control. But just, I mean, it was obviously, was it? You not know. They, all of a sudden, yeah. The, and, the, and, the, and the referee is like. Yeah, did you see how you know this? I was trying to find him with my jab. I yes. couldn't see. There was nothing. Yeah. I would throw yeah. right hand. I would throw. Yeah. I, couldn't, I just couldn't hit him. And yeah. I remember Margaret. That was her first big. It was. It was. Uh, she was. You know, Homansky had Margaret told me, said, "Oh, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be good. Margaret's gonna be good." And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. "Stop the fight. I don't give a shit. What happens? Yeah. If I get knocked down, I'll get yeah. my ass up. Don't stop yeah. the fight." Yeah. And when she came into the corner, you seen one. I remember one at a time my pop told me, he said when he when he opened the eye like that, he saw my eyeball was sitting yeah. in my my, my, my son, uh, uh, sinus area. Yeah. But when Margaret would come in, we would look at the fight. We were trying to turn and she was asking. Yeah, myself, course, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She told me, I think it was in round five, right? Yeah. That was when they were round six. Yeah. When they were trying to stop it. If you could hear my my corner, which was my pop, she asked me what number she had up, you know, she was, and my pop told me, and I said, it. <laughs> 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 maybe it was, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. can you see? I said, yeah, I couldn't see shit. You know that. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and those, those are the, um, there's some very interesting, colorful stories in boxing. And I, Angela Dundee was my trainer for a while. And I asked him, because I figured, you know, in the day back in the 60s, 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they didn't, fighters, did, they didn't have a tad. Those were floating thumb gloves and the whole thing was a mess. You know, after five rounds, you're getting hit with a bare knuckle because it's horse hair. And, you know, the gloves are horse hair. And I asked, did, I asked him specifically, I said, did Muhammad Ali ever suffer any eye injuries? Because he goes, no. Never, not one time. He must have been the only fighter who right. never suffered an eye injury. Right. You know, one of my dad's fighters, uh, Louis, and, and he's from here from New Mexico, Louis Burke. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, come back, Joe. Yes. He, yeah. was, he was trained by Angelo, and they, they were in our dreams and, and all the time. And Angelo one time was telling me a story about when they had all them in, in camp, which were Muhammad, mm-hmm. uh uh, I believe at the time is Ellis. I don't know who else was in that thing, and yeah. they were talking about that. And it was after I had already won the second world title, so they weren't talking too much about the injuries here. I had mm-hmm. I had just gotten a broken jaw. Mm-hmm. I had fought in uh, Joe Manzano. He had me one left hook, broke it in the second round. Wow. I still whooped his ass. I won the fight. <laughs> uh, but they were telling me certain things that Muhammad did when he got his jaw broken by by uh, Norton, what they did afterwards. And so we did all those tactics afterwards to see if it worked for the next fight. Mm-hmm. It worked, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all those stories are, are very, very precious, but very important to yeah. the young fighter's life. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, you know, boxing... Uh, you know, I, I, I told you this is, is yeah. everything in my life. I, that's that's what I've done all my life. You know, I appreciate you telling me that I was educated, yeah. but I was educated yeah. in the hard knocks, baby. You know? Oh, yeah. I and, get it. 
in so, those. So, are you still a big fan of the game today, uh, Danny? Still absolutely. a big fan today. Follow up. Absolutely, absolutely. And how do you feel about this standoff right now in the heavyweight division, where you got Fury and Usyk? Supposedly they are training to fight each other April 29th in London, but there's still no contract signed and there's still no there's still no announcement. Uh, what, what what's your take on the whole situation? Well. I know you heard me say that a little while ago. I come from a spot of it where sign the damn contract, it's done. Let's go fight. Yeah. They yeah. know if the weight limit is this weight, this is what you got to be. I, I, I'm not about all that. Look, you're going up those weights, it can't be catch weights. And I understand, trust me, when you become the big dog and you do, I was, I was in those positions for more than most of my career. So I was able yeah. to say certain and do certain things that the other champions weren't. But I made sure when my fans, myself, my coach, and then managers and promoters wanted me to fight whoever, I made sure I did the fight that I that everybody was expecting not to happen because everybody was always after the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I just I, I wanted to hone my skills to be that much better and let me fight those better fighters. That a lot of people don't know. You guys know this. There's there's fighters that we have we've had them in our gyms that would have whooped the shit out of all of us. Just yeah, opportunity, you know. And yeah, there was, he said that about a guy called Johnny Banks Walker who was in the gym. He said it. Michael said he had a 50-50 record, but the guy was phenomenal in the gym and he and would would <laughs> would give Marvin Hagler a hard time and everybody else and, and Silk hated sparring him. But you never heard of the guy. That's just the way I, it goes sometimes. Right. There, there's right now here in New Mexico, there, there, there was somebody that is, and he's still a dear friend. We, we've been, he's been through a lot of stuff in his life. His name is Ronnie Rince. That would have been my father's right one of the greatest champions. He was at your yeah. time, he went, yeah. he was whooping it in the amateurs. Yeah. He was whooping everybody's ass. He was badass. I mean, he was, yeah. they, they had him, Breedlin, and all those guys. They were yeah. winning everything. He had beat, um, uh, Paul Banky, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. It was a certain spot in his life where it just didn't happen, right? Yeah. And for me, I got to see that going, uh, whatever door that's there, we're going to break it down. Yeah. I have the right team, you know, and there's, don't get us wrong. We made many mistakes. Yeah. But mm -hmm. as we're talking now for the next versions, I'm about because of what my father did for me. I'm 100% about these fighters getting paid, no matter yes. what. As long as they yeah. got the right yeah. people around them to tell them how to do with that money. Yeah. To come and talk to some of us that are, yeah. we don't know nothing. We're all two-year-olds. You got to look up. We're like Socrates, baby. Yeah. Let's ask questions like our boxing. Yeah. The wrong yeah. jab. You pick that bat up, you'll yeah. never get hit. Yeah. How many times did we do that? Yeah. Thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands yeah, yeah, of yeah. times. So in, in business, what have I learned is you got to ask those questions and block those beats like that. You got to find out where that jab needs to hit. Yeah. So Danny, yeah. Of of is there any fight? What what do you regret most in your boxing career? Is there any one thing you regret? I'm, I know we learn from everything, losses, wins, whatever. We learn from them. But is there anything? Is there any direction you wish you would have turned or taken your career that it didn't go? Um, I, I, I just, I regret I didn't listen to my 
my father more mm-hmm. because there was many, many times he told me, what for? What do we need to do this? We already have enough. You don't need to go fight him. You don't need to yeah. do this. Yeah. And, and it was being pressured. You know this by the mm-hmm. promoters, by the man. Yes. It was a lot. Of, listen, again, like I told you, like when Bob Arum told me, and now I, I take it as a badge because that was a great thing. Because he said that he had worked with all the greats, which is Muhammad Ali and all this. Sure. He had never been in such having problems with this little flyweight from New Mexico. <laughs> when, when, when you know, I know this now in business. Yeah. Listen, when that was he saying that, we were getting to him when we were, we had the upper hand on him at that time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I tell you I regret that when my father kept pushing to do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we push it the other way that would go a, a different yeah. different yeah. avenue. And and that's it. Other than that, listen, there's there's many, many mistakes we all do in our lives as we're as we're trying to live, right? Mm-hmm. Can't regret talking about Roberto Grant again. He's it's been good. talking that since young. Yeah, yeah. You knew this in every fight, he never lost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what it was. I mean, even so, when it came back, some of us would go, no, Grant. Yeah. You lost that. That's a great impression of Durant. That's a great impression of Durant right there. Bro. It is. It's but amazing. I've, I've, I've spoke to Durant and he didn't lose any fight. It's true. He, he didn't. The only reason Durant ever lost was because he didn't train or he got robbed. He, t- he well, thinks that's he won all his, That's what all his fans say too. Every single Roberto Durant fan says yes, the same thing. They do. He, he was wonderful, but he is the sacred cow. That you cannot criticize yeah. in any le- on any level whatsoever. Sugar Ray will be judged way more harshly yeah. for some of the things. Some of the and, let me out. tell you, for fighter, yes, and I know we're making fun of it and all that. But me and there's many fighters we still have them in our gym to this day that I tell them you got to live that way because when you're winning, and then something happens, all comes crushing down. Don't let that happen. You're still the champion. Come on, get back yeah. working. Whatever whatever mistake that you did to lose that fight. Fix it. Now the approach Durant did it is a little bit different, but I I always admired that because yes, that is win at all costs. I don't care. I'm the winner. Yeah, mindset. So so for a KO, let's say for a first round KO of Tapia, you would not give away today's success. No. Huh. No. I, I guess if, if if I were to ask you if there's a guy that you wish you'd have fought, Danny, that you never did fight, I was wondering if it might be Prince Nassim Hamid. No, no, yeah, one was him. I was trying. I, I used to call him, and he's he's a good. <laughs> I, used call, I used to call him the little rat man. I used to get all pissed off at him all the damn time. I was like, little rat, you want to make some money with me? But he was he was he was making it, man. He was the big stuff in our at that time. Yeah. Anyway, I used to talk all kinds of shit on one. We fought on the same. It's actually when God. I. McCulloch, when he fought McCulloch. Yes, yes. And during the press conference, it was me and him mostly going at it between <laughs> them. And that was, that was, that would have been a fight. It would have been the same type of fight like me, like Barretta did, because yeah, I, yeah, so I yeah. see. it would have been the same type of fight. I would have yeah. got out of there. I remember that build up. And what interested me at the time was the boxing news journalist said that you were the bigger man physically. When you two guys were standing next to each other, despite him being a featherweight, you know, for most of his career, and you haven't come for flyweight, they said Romero looked bigger standing next to Hamid, like a bigger, stronger guy. This. 
I was never a flyweight. In the amateurs, I used to fight at 125. That As, as a kid, yeah. as a 16, 15-year-old, I was fighting at 125. Yeah. I even fought one time at 132 against the Jamaicans. When I I had made the Olympic team, I had I had, had beat everybody. They took me as the one. Oh, I was fighting. No, I was fighting the 119. And yeah. our American at that time had got knocked out. His name was Kenneth Friday by a guy by the name of Marshall Simpson over there in Jamaica. Yeah. So when we got over there, I was weighing, I think it was like one, eight, uh, I was weighing 120. And one of the coaches said, our 125s doesn't want to fight that guy because he just knocked out the number one guy. And I said, nope, put me up there. I knocked him out in the third round. And I I, I stayed at that weight class through the entire amateur. And you, were one of those, and you were one of those kinds of fighters, I know that. You're one of those kind of featherweights that would knock out middleweights. Yes, I yeah. listen. I right? used to spar you guys all the time, Sam Houston. That's why <laughs> I used to get in there. I I have felt like I don't know how many times. You know this when you get hit by those big dudes right here, it feels like yeah. you come right off your ass. And you're like, oh shit! This is a brutal punch. <laughs> you know? And and the reason why Michael Carbajal gave me this idea, yeah, uh, well, gave my coach and all the whole thing, mm -hmm. because. I was I was really disciplined. I was able to make weight and push my weight way down. And one time during one of the, you can see my career. Look in the beginning, some of my fights were at 120, 100. We were trying to figure it out, right? Uh -huh. To see uh -huh. if I can. One one fight when I fought Orlando Malone, I came all the way down to 100. And I think it was like 116 or 115. And I told my thing. I said, my my team. I said, I think I can make 112. Because my father knew the history of boxing. Yeah. I had always known that there was not an American flyweight yeah. champion in over 60 years. 63 years. Right. 63 years. When you I, beat told pop, I told my pop, I can make 112. Let's go get that history. That's what yeah. I was trying to do. And okay. yeah. now, now, you want to talk about hindsight? I think going solo and keeping it keeping it there and then going up to 15 and 18, I should have probably went right up to 126 right away uh, yeah. uh, because I, I held it there too long and it, 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 it hurt me. Then when I went up to the bigger weights, which was more my natural stuff, it took me a while to get to those, you know, the full strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. And by that yeah. time, I mean, I, I got to tell you this story. Let me tell you this story about Pacquiao. You want, my, want to talk about a fight that, I'm glad right now I didn't take it because I wouldn't be talking to you right now, I don't think. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. Uh, there was this, we were we were blowing it up and I remember sitting in Bob Aaron's office and they're getting ready for the next fight. And one of the fighters that I was going to fight fell off. Uh -huh. And, and, and uh, Bruce Trampler came up and he said, hey, there's this Orion kid from the Philippines uh, that has a title at 106 pounds, whatever, a little guy. Little yeah. guy, little guy. I was like, I'm a little guy too. What the hell? Anyway, <laughs> we'll we'll have you fight him, and it'll be easy defense for you. And I was like, oh hell yeah, get that Pacquiao. What the hell? I'm not gonna whatever, right? Yeah. Whatever had happened, it just you know it didn't come through. I fought somebody yeah. else. We went to the next fight. They took us to the next fight because there was a fighter that I wanted to fight. His name was Ledwaba. Yeah, he's yeah. yes. from South Africa. Yes. And yeah. and then one of my coaches, coach knew, you know, well, Freddie's the one that actually had called Freddie. And he said, 
hey, you guys want to come down, check this out? And we went and checked it out. And when I first saw Pacquiao, now I was kind of shitting bricks about Ladwaba. Yeah. When he blew him out, <laughs> he blew him out. And then we went to some of the gyms. I went back to Bob Aaron's office. I said, I'm so glad I didn't fight him at that time. <laughs> I was going to knock the hell up with fighting that dude. Because no, come on. All this stuff about left handed everybody out. But yeah. later on, I got to talk to him and we were, you know, we were talking about it. And he said, Oh, I remember they're telling me that you're going to. I said, I'm so glad I didn't fight you. But the plan of what they had talked about, and, and as we started to go, I always told Packy, I said, what Freddie was going to send you out to do, I would have had you out, baby, just yeah. like how <laughs> you that that fifth fight because I yeah. was good with that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I could hit, you know. Yes, yeah. Now that, that's the no way. Shit, I, to this day, I still think it'll whoop my ass. And hey, listen, uh, Manny Pacquiao is an extremely great fighter, but you are an extremely great talent, and you could punch, and you knew what you were doing. You had the you had the vision, you had the reflexes. There's no, of course, it's absolutely, absolutely a natural thing. If you would have knocked him out, that would have been an absolutely a natural thing. And it's not something out of the universe for me. That's something extremely, you know what I mean? It's not out of reach at all. It's not, it's not even a consideration. If I were Pacquiao's people, you would not be on my list. Hell no. No, you could say that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that, man. That, no, of course. And, and I also want to remind you, you know, you draw, well, you hit Tapia. Tapia's gloves touched the ground. That should have been a knockdown, actually. Did hey, you know, did you know that? that? I was telling Mitch, I was like, hey, what the hell? That was a damn well, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't even make any sense. But, but check it out. So Tapia started mugging a lot. When you hit him, I, I'm sorry to go back here, but I just, things go in my mind, too, like this. You hit him in it. And and he starts acting up and doing all that stuff he does. In your mind, didn't you say I hurt him? Because generally, when guys, when you hit somebody and they start sticking their tongue out and they start mugging and doing all that stuff, you rang their bell. That that head and you know when you get hit with that shot and that reverberation is like bong. Absolutely, that's what's going through his head at that time. And Did, you know this? Yeah, you know this oh, my, my bell been rung many times, yeah. baby. And I, <laughs> and I've been wrong a few bells too. And that reminds me, I got to tell you a real good joke, Ben, but not now. But so bang, you hit him, you hit him, and there's that gong going on. What about you? Like you're maybe a little hesitant in taking advantage of that, or did you not think he was really hurt? I was saying yes. Both I'm answering both of your questions. Yes and yes. <laughs> because <laughs> in the middle of that, you know, that goes, I knew I heard him. Yeah. And soon as and and again, he's a world class guy. Sure. You know, you got to jump on it immediately. Yes. You let one second go, you see their face clear up. Yeah. Oh, he was gone. He was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't. I just couldn't capitalize on it. Yes. I, I think with Danny being such a vaunted puncher, and because of what Johnny said in the build up, I think he felt pressure to laugh it off because he said, if he hits me on the chin, I'll just laugh. And Danny <laughs> supposedly responded, he's going to be laughing all night. I, will, so I think I that was. Will. Yeah, I told him. I said you're gonna be laughing all night because you know it, we were it, in that whole buildup. It was about like I told you, get us a pelear, We're here, baby. Come on. Yeah. And we yeah. grew up literally blocks from each other yeah. from our barrios, you know. And yeah, so right. he understood those things, and this is why I tell you this. That's where I tell you some of those things. Yeah. It's not a. This is a boxing match. Mm -hmm. He 
he adjusted and followed the instructions well of what his corner did mm-hmm. or, or, or taught him because he stuck he stuck to it for 12 rounds. Yeah. I was in and out of my uh not only boxing but my instructions not the way we should have so each round would change when i you know when you feel it when i should have just kept my punches going keep my mm-hmm. keep it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i i didn't bring very fi- very many fights by going the distance yeah. But yeah one important one was when i won my world title so i learned i said listen after that fight every time i feel like that like you tell me like mm-hmm. you gotta jump on it immediately i mean yeah. not even because every time I would hit him, you would see it take off. You could you could hear me. I was yeah. I was telling him, hey, I thought we were gonna fight. Come on, this is a, you know <laughs> all that bullshit. And it and, and I got off my strategy of what my great coach told me to do. Yeah, and that's interesting because Sugar Ray Leonard was that's why I consider one of the greatest uh, finishers in the game because when he, he knew when he hit somebody, even if they didn't show it, I was like, how did he know that guy was hurt? Cause he came back with a second, third shot and then they started to wobble. And I'd be like, wow, that's incredible. That like his ability to be able to jump on somebody I, and finish I, I, him. I like understand that. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you, in, in your career, let me see if I can, if I can say this right. When it was time to quit, did you consciously make that decision or did boxing make that decision for you? Um, no, my, 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 my father got sick and I just, you know, I, I, I think that some of my career, you can see it at the end, especially yeah. when, when I fought that, like that Alex Baba, my father uh-huh. was, was, was sick. He was sick in that corner. If you see my, my dad was in on a wheelchair, nobody was really in my corner. Uh-huh. You know, I was, yeah. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, and right there, I said again, you know, uh, that's it. No more. I got enough money. We got to take care of my pops, and yeah. I just, I, I, I actually, I think I was still doing the. Remember, I used to do the commentary for the Showtime stuff. Yes. yes. Uh, I, I think my contract was just about to end up, and I, I just, I kind of wanted to feel what life was really about before I, yeah. I, I didn't know I was going to lose my dad that quick, but that's kind of what I was looking forward. Looking. I'm sorry. Forward. What did What did he pass away from, Danny? There, there was a lot of things. He, he, he first got sick with cryptogenic. Uh, he yeah. ultimately had a, a lung issue. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was just something that he had. Uh, the doctor said he's had it since he was born. And at that time, when he was 45 yeah. years old, it, it attacked. And it, it lasted a little bit. He had a liver transplant. Yeah. yeah. And is that, is that a genetic? Is it genetic? Is it? Can it be passed on? Yes. But everything's okay with you. Uh, what we found out now, my sister and I, I it, it looks like it's going to pass us because I've been tested since we've been, yeah. um, since back then. And, yeah. and we're, we're looking at our kids now and making sure they're yeah. getting tested because yeah. bottom line, it was a blood disorder that he didn't even know. And when it came on, it attacked his liver and it, mm-hmm. and it done too much. My father never drank, never smoked, never did none of these yeah. things. And and that disease really tore him up, man. And and um, it's very, very, it's very common. If people don't really pay yeah. attention to it, it's very common. Yes. Uh, if you don't pay, if you don't get to it right away, it's very yeah. curable. Yeah. But 
also his boxers. My father was a yeah. working man. This yeah, guy yeah. worked 24 hours yeah. a day. He would be at somebody's mm -hmm. camp. He would come back. My my mom yeah. should have left him a long time ago, man. My mom <laughs> and, and he was still doing that when he was sick. And yeah. when all that happened in my I said that. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. As a man, you don't really pay attention to any signs. If something hurts, it's like you just work through it, you go through it, whatever it is. Hey, my father used to get in there and spar all he used to spar heavyweights. I have a picture with me and Tony Tubbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Came down here, which would have yeah. been in the eight, uh, I think it was like 79, 80. Yeah. And I remember looking at my dad going, Why is my little Mexican dad sparring that big old damn man that 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 heavyweight right there is gonna knock my pops out. I was, you know, like, hold, you know, and, and, yeah, and yeah. The other fighters that were a little older, they were all coach hit him with the bat. I'm like, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> yeah but my serious. point is, my my pops was that type of coach. Yeah, that beautiful man. And I see he has that passion, that love, and you have that same thing. I really appreciate you, Brian. Like just speaking to you, I, you know. I know we never, our careers never, obviously cross paths. But you know, you you know, you know a fighter. You know, you you know someone who has that same heart and that you have just this uh, like beauty about you in the ring. It's pure. When I watched you fight on TV, it was pure, and it plays out exactly how it is today. I thank you. Really appreciate that, sir. That's that's what I love about doing this show and getting the guests on, people like Danny, is that obviously I knew his, his boxing ability, I knew his fights and something of his personality. But now, an hour down the line, I feel like I know who Danny Romero is now. You know, Thank and you, that's, Thank it's you, been man. another fantastic show and an absolute honor. I, I, mean, I, I hate to have to go so soon because I had questions. Okay, one question. I'm I here, baby. I am here. I'm one more question. One more, because I know we got to sign off. Sorry, but okay. So you, you, you were on, on the boxing side of things. You were six, you know, when you fought that kid, Agriar. And you, so you had six KOs, right, or five yeah. or six KOs in a row. And then with Agriar, he went the distance. Why did he go the distance? And then you went on to another like twenty-three KOs in a row, or something like that. <laughs> why, why did he go the distance? You know this about how how the promotion is is, and how managers and agents and all yeah. their Listen, I was getting paid huge dollars. My pop didn't allow that, that coach, because we needed to learn. And, yeah. and again, my, my coach had never been around. He didn't have a – he trained five other world champions other than me, but didn't have what was happening at the time. You know what I mean? There was like yeah. commercials yeah. and there was yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. They, you see, we were going quick. Yeah. Three days before that fight, and again, I was just – I was 18 years old. I didn't yeah. know what was going on. Talking about focus, what you told me. Yeah. Two days before the fight, they had me doing commercials, and I was not focused. Uh -huh. I could feel that in the entire fight. Yeah. Just, and we're still learning. That, yeah. that was still the learning. So, so it was not something that he did, really. It was just something that you feel you refused to do or wasn't able to do. Okay, okay, Ben, I'm, so, I'm sorry, sorry. This is my extra, extra last question. I'm sorry. Okay. Danny. What's the worst thing you've ever heard a commentator say about you during a fight? Oh, my man. That bothers yeah. you. You just want to get off your chest. That isn't right. That I don't hit that hard. Oh, <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> Listen, me and Jim have had a – Jim Lampley have had a – We've had a little issues in the past. He's great. He's my man. Yeah. We were, we were talking some shit a while back one time. I think is when I fought uh, Elio Dominguez. Yeah, I was hitting him with the left hook, and he made a 
comment because I had all those knockouts. Uh, yeah. This was one of the first times I was on TVKO. Yeah. And I hit him with the left hook. He went down and Jim was blah, 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 blah. It doesn't look like Danny hits that hard. Like, <laughs> I, I heard it during the fight. I'm, I'm sitting in the white corner and they're talking shit down there. I was like, yeah. then I said, Jim, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, hilarious. That's so hilarious. I had heard that a long time. George Foreman told me that. He told me, dang, why, why are you worried about Because I always say that during the, the, the fighters' uh, meetings. Yeah. I yeah. said, Jim, you better not be saying that when I go yeah. tomorrow, man. When yeah. I knock that sucker out, it, yeah. it offends me, bro. Yeah. Yo, listen, yeah. before you go, though, I had the fight with Iran Barkley. And Ferdy Pacheco, he said that I he said I was scared. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. I never that that just you gotta you gotta give it to him, Silk. Think of all them fights that Ferdy had. He's got a he's got a lot of right to say that you look scared in there, in hey. his professional opinion. Hey. But scared is in, in any fighter vocabulary that I know. No, 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 no. That's why I see Silk, you know this. I tell my wife this all the time when we're somewhere and when they're saying especially these young kids, yeah. oh they're scared. I'm like these suckers don't know shit. What do you mean scared? You know, <laughs> you, you, yeah. you know. I don't care if you're sitting in a puddle, puddle of piss and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out and kick your ass. Yeah, it's never fear. It's just like maybe it's like you don't quite understand how to take hesitancy. Yeah, whatever. You're a little hesitant, but you know, scared. <laughs> There's they say scared. And oh my god, you're bang. Oh, everything goes oh, anyway. But as as George Foreman once said to Larry Merchant, he said, "You don't really know boxing, Larry. You just speak boxing." And uh, <laughs> today we had an audience. I had I had the pleasure of two guys who who don't just speak boxing, but they lived it, and um, that's why we do this. Yeah, man. man you need my brother. I am here for you. I really man, appreciate you're the greatest. I appreciate you, bro. We'll stay in touch. Absolutely. This is a, another great show. Thanks all for tuning in. This was Danny Romero, Michael Silva, and a fine gentleman. Um, yes. Guys, we were brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. Um, get involved. Tune in for next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.